And welcome to our Jackson home this week. I'm joined by Nathan Young. He is the executive director of the Care Center here in Jackson. Nathan, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So Nathan, I feel like the, the Care Center keeps a pretty low profile here in Jackson, and so we're excited to have you tell us more about it here in a few minutes. But if the Care Center pulls a pretty low profile, I think that means you keep an even lower profile. That's probably true. So, so Nathan, um, you're not from Jackson, right? No, I'm not. I actually uh, was born up north and uh, grew up in the north. We moved around a lot. My dad rebuilt rundown churches, and so we were constantly moving. We'd go into a church that was pretty beat up, both physically and not too many people left uh-huh. in it. And then I uh, would take it up to 75 to 125 and then move on. Interesting. Yes. That's, uh, that's quite the calling. Was there a certain denomination that he did that in or just whatever was Yes, available? he was a Baptist. Uh, so he was always bivocational. Uh-huh. Uh, we were always poor. <laughs> My dad, first of all, he, you know, he grew up in the business world. And then when he thought the Lord was leading him to do this, dropped out of the business world. But he still had to have a job because rundown churches can't really pay. Yeah. And so uh, that he was he was always working a job and then the after the afternoons and the evenings and then on the weekends he was pastoring. Mm. And we as children participated in all of that mess. Mm. And so there were <clears throat> very brutal times. Uh, you know, churches can become quite ingrown and so mm-hmm. We saw things like five foot of pigeon manure in the belfry dripping down through the main vestibule as you entered the church to a guy throwing my brother down the chair, the stairs of the church to somebody trying to run over my dad in the parking lot. Okay. I mean, it was, it was, um, well, it might be a nice way to say entertaining, but it wasn't entertaining. It was very serious. At the time, probably not. Yeah. It was very serious. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you survived that. I did. And, and and what part of the North were you in? Well, we moved all over. Oh, okay. Uh, my, yeah. I have two brothers born in northern, northern Ohio, one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Minnesota. What? So it was, yeah, so it was I all over. I didn't know that. Place. I used to live in Minnesota. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. St. Paul, Minnesota. Is okay. I, I lived south in um, Sandstone, which yeah. is down the river. From I, I wouldn't know where it is. Yeah. All I know are the stories of snow so deep that you had to keep a shovel on the inside of the house. Yeah. In case you opened the door and there was no light, you know. Yeah. You dug yourself out. We would stand out for the bus and it would be like <clears throat> negative 25 outside. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, then we moved around. Susan and I, uh, I met Susan in Indiana. Okay. And lived there for many years. Yeah, what part? Uh, yeah. I like Indiana. Northeastern Indiana. Uh-huh. Uh, up by probably the biggest city around there is Auburn, Indiana. Okay. Uh, close to Fort Wayne. Yeah. And uh, actually my wife and my children were both delivered by the same doctor in the same hospital. Wow. Okay. So it's a little dinky, tiny town of 2,000 people or less. Yeah. I met her there and... Uh, Got married. We've now been married 38 years. So Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. And we're going for another 38. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so you had, you had two kids? Two children, yes. And they're adults and they don't live, do they live in Jackson? One lives in Jackson, one lives in Union City. Okay, so not oh, yeah. too far. They're, they're adults. They're uh, 38 and 36. So oh, yeah. This year they will be. All right. Yeah. And we have four grandchildren. Okay. That's exciting. Oh, so, yeah. Now, so what were you doing before you came to Jackson? I ran businesses, uh, manufacturing businesses. Um, 
Did you make anything fun or was it boring stuff? Well, none of it was fun, I don't think. <laughs> like one of the businesses I ran, I was a mach- I was trained as a machine designer and builder. Okay. So I not only knew how to build the concepts and put, put the blueprints out, I also knew how to turn the cranks on the mills and the lays and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Originally went to college to be a doctor, uh, but got kicked out because I... <laughs> I was I was quite rebellious as as a young man. Um, uh, won an academic scholarship to college, and then got involved with drugs and alcohol, mm. and uh, really ruined my life. Lost my scholarships, all that sort of thing, and so I took on different training. Yeah, yeah, I was angry. Uh, that lifestyle, growing up that way, uh, I was angry at God. I was angry at my father. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much angry at the world, yeah, and pretty hurt. And so when I left home, I left home and I rebuilt hard, mm. and uh, lived that life for quite a little while. Um, always had a job. I mean, I had my first job at eight years old. When okay. you're poor, you yeah. find a job, you know. Mm-hmm. And what was your first job? Rolling hay bales because they were too heavy to pick up, and I got paid a quarter an hour. Uh huh. And uh, did that for several years. Finally, I got to the place I was big enough where I could throw a hay bale 10 stack on a wagon. Uh, you will build some muscles dealing with hay bales. Absolutely. You know, but, Absolutely. Um, and then we'd bring the money home, put it on the table, and help feed the family. Mm. I mean, we were poor. Yeah. And uh, so that did some damage to me, and I decided I was going to make money. Yeah. And uh, so I wound up running businesses. Mm-hmm. And some of them were like insert injection molding machines. That's... Uh, like a plug you stick in the wall has wires and then there's plastic shot around those wires. Mm-hmm. An insert injection molding machine did that. Okay. Uh, a basketball backboard is a big example of where plastic is shot around metal pieces and it's held together mm-hmm. and that's insert injected. Okay. So it's any time where plastic or polyurethane or some of some thing like that is injected around another medium. Gotcha. And so we built machines that did that and sold to multiple countries and and then I was in the wire and steel cable industry for the the roles that they put them on and different things. Yeah. Know. So so there has to be a pretty big change at some point, I feel like. Yeah, there was. What what uh, Can you walk us through that? I'll walk you through part of it. Okay. Um, uh, the guy I was working with decide, in California decided to uh, take his business to Michigan. His brother, we, we made reels for the wire and cable industry at that time in California. And uh, he said, we're going to move. And I was asking the Lord, my friend of mine and I went up with our sons up camping in the mountains in California. And mm-hmm. we were praying about, Lord, whatever it is you want us to do, you know, don't let us miss it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we came down off the hill and that next day he tells me we're moving the business to Michigan. His brother had a, a steel, flat steel industry in Michigan. And so his excuse was that we were going to go there, be around the raw material that we needed, and it would save shipping and that sort of thing. So, okay. We packed up the entire business, moved it to Michigan, laid all the guys off. Of course, they lost their jobs, except for a few, and I moved to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And we put all of our belongings in a storage locker till we could find a house and I just said keep my pay I don't need it and then when I get ready to find a house that I want then I'll just put it all dump it on a house mm-hmm. and uh, come to find out I'm going through all the books as we went back and some guy called me and said 
that was our employee as one of our shift managers and said, you know, we can't get our unemployment. No money's been paid in. So I went through the book secretly and found out that the man had embezzled a quarter of a million dollars of back payroll taxes. Oh my. And that's why he left California. Wow. And so I turned him in. Yeah, okay. And uh, he, without us knowing, sold all of our belongings that were in the storage locker being paid by the uh, company and stole all my back pay, which was in excess of $20,000 and left us homeless. Oh my gosh. everything that we had worked for for 12 years of our life. Oh my gosh. And <clears throat> I'm sure this is triggering all sorts of like flashbacks to childhood and yeah. things like that. Yeah, it was... I was very angry. Yeah. Very angry. I would be as well. And to be quite honest, you know, I was saved by then. You know, mm-hmm. I knew the Lord by then and uh, I really struggled with it because uh, to watch everything. And we lived pretty well. I mean, we lived off the golf course and, you know, we were yeah comfortable and to watch everything disappear. Uh, just to be honest, I wanted to go up and beat him with a baseball bat. That's what I wanted to do. I don't, think that's, a, I don't think that's an unreasonable response. You know, and... Uh, I really prayed about it, and the Lord told me to call him up and forgive him in the name of Jesus and walk away. And that's what I did. Okay. In obedience. Um, it was one of the hardest days of my life, quite frankly. Yeah. And uh, so there it left us with nothing. We had our car. That's all we had. Mm. And nothing else. And uh, so we spent about a year working through that learning to live by faith, uh, what do you want me to do next, Lord, uh-huh. kind of a thing. And <clears throat> my dad said, my dad was in Pennsylvania at that time, said, come to Pennsylvania, the door will open here. So I went up with my family. And while we were there, we were at this, uh, they had a church service. They invited an evangelist guy to come in and speak. And he's one of the guys that started Christian television in Pittsburgh. And he was somewhat prophetic of, of in nature, and um, he didn't know we were there. They were scheduled long before we ever got there. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting in the in the pew, and the guy says, "Now, if anybody wants prayer for their future, then come forward. We'll pray for you." <clears throat> so Susan and I said, "Well, you know, might as well. <laughs> I mean, here we are, you know." <clears throat> so we decided to go up and have him pray, but he, some lady in the back, had waved her arm, an older lady, and so he went rushed back there. So we went up and talked to his wife. His wife prayed over us, and she's just about getting ready to say in Jesus' name. And she says, I think I'm supposed to tell you to go into full-time ministry. And uh, we didn't say anything, so oh, okay. And went back and sat down and said, oh, you know, that's what we thought we were supposed to be doing too. So this was really <laughs> weird, you know. Yeah. And a lady, an older lady in the church, she must, she was probably at that time, and I'm almost 60, so I'll say, you know, this was 30 years ago, but um, 20, like 28 years ago, she's in her late 60s, said, sit still, you're not done yet, and walked off. We didn't even know what in the world was going on. <laughs> and the man came up and said, I, I, uh, I was told you needed prayer, and I said, okay, well, as he sits down in the pew, now he hasn't had a chance to talk to anybody else, says he just looked really stunned and looked at us and said, you may think I'm crazy, but I think I'm supposed to tell you you're supposed to go into full-time ministry. <laughs> and said, okay, we'll spill the beans. you know. Yeah. And, and uh, my brother who lived down here in Jackson 
said, uh, he came up to visit, he said, well, I know this place, it's all closed down. It's condemnable. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't ask my enemy to go there, but maybe you ought to go there and open a shelter or something, you know, do something. I I don't know what that says about my brother. (laughs) I wouldn't tell my enemy to do this, but please, brother, go and do it, you know. (laughs) And uh, so we came down and interviewed and talked to some people here in town about it and opened up the care center. And yeah. That was almost 26 years ago. That's July that 1992. Quite the story. Yeah. Um, it's not one I want to relive either. No. Yeah. <laughs> and and when you got there, <clears throat> yeah. What were you looking at when you got there? Well, it was a house built in the early 1820s. And uh, for for everybody who's listening, if yeah. you go down Highland, across the street from the lift. Behind the Tenergy building, there is a large white house on a hill. Yes. That is the care center. That's the care center. So we came. First of all, I came dressed in a business suit. I ran businesses. So yeah. I had suits and all that business still. And, and uh, I interviewed. And now, I interviewed for a job that had no pay, no food, and not really any place to live that was... Just to give you a feel, there was no glass in most of the windows. It was condemnable. My daughter has the first night's record for bug bites, 87 the first night. There wasn't any working toilets to save, so most of us had to go outside to another little house that was out back on the property to use the bathroom in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. <clears throat> it was crime-ridden. Uh, my first Christmas there, I spent... Christmas Day bandaging up a guy's shot three times across the street. That was our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we went through all these interviews and they said, okay, come. And we opened it up for women and children. Mm-hmm. That's where we thought the Lord led us. Yeah. It, all the carpet and furniture had been urinated on. And so we had two piles, eight foot tall, 20 foot long, of just trash that we had to pull out of this house. Mm-hmm. One of the bathroom floors upstairs that wasn't usable was made out of quarter-inch um, paneling. <laughs> and so you almost fell through it when you walked on it. I mean, this place was crazy. Yeah. There was a guy living in there <clears throat> who had scammed. He had 33 uh, food stamp scams running at the same time. So we had to bring the federal government in and get him. And it was just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Just totally bizarre. And... Uh, we settled in. We believe that's what the Lord wanted us to do and took our first two women six days after we got there. Was, <clears throat> and and hearing the first part of your story and then jumping to this part, is there yeah. some way that you think that your childhood prepared you to do this? Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't like my childhood. Uh, and I don't I don't know that I would call it a childhood, really. I, I don't know what it's like to be a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little too serious for my own good most of the time. <laughs> I like to laugh and all that, but... I don't know really what it's like to be playful. Mm. Uh, my wife was one of the things that the Lord gave me to kind of keep that in our marriage is mm. playfulness. And she's really family oriented and, and, you know, really likes to giggle and laugh and, you know, keeps me from being so wired so tight. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I learned how to work hard. I learned how to survive in hard places. Mm-hmm. I learned how to do what the Lord told me to do. Yeah. Um, I, uh, there's some things I learned not to do too. Um, but I knew 
that's what the Lord had asked us to do. And I knew mm-hmm. when I first got saved, I, I read Fox's Book of Martyrs, okay. which is basically a whole bunch of horror stories of how <laughs> saints died standing mm-hmm. up for their faith. And I learned that God has the right to do with us anything that he pleases. And he doesn't ask our opinion. He doesn't ask if we like it. Mm-hmm. He just expects us to obey. That's what being the Lord is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew he had shut our lives down. Um, you know, we we wanted to support places like the Care Center. And, mm-hmm. and we were pretty generous with our money. Uh, but there came a point when the Lord said, I don't want your money, I want your life. Mm-hmm. And that's how he wanted to start it, you know. Would I have come there... Uh, no, I, I, I mean, we did, but was that my choice? No. Um, did I want to leave? Yes. Uh, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. What, what's there to say, you know? Yeah. Um, How'd your family handle? Well, once we moved in, my wife sat and cried for three days. <laughs> That's how she handled it. Yeah. The kids had to go from... Uh, a big house off the golf course in California to homelessness to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even have glass in a lot of the windows until winter. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a bizarre thing, mm-hmm. and I think it um, I think it damaged them. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, still to this day, now my kids know how to work hard, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, you know, there's some sense of taking care of your kids there and that sort of thing. That the taking care of and loving is different. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think they've learned how to love now their children and got over it. But they were pretty angry. Mm-hmm. Um, life wasn't the same, and life was lonely. Mm-hmm. In the end, they became their own best friends. Yeah, because they. Who's going to send their kids over to play in your yard? You no, know, no. When, when it's <laughs> one of the roughest places in town, and there's drug dealers all around, and yeah. transvestite prostitutes living across the street, and all. Yeah, no, it's the most child-friendly area. No, and yeah. and I couldn't blame them or anything, you know. But, um, so th- they were pretty lonely. Yeah, and um, they went from. I wouldn't say luxurious life, but comfortable. Yeah. I mean, my job paid for all my golf and my son's golf, so we played yeah. golf almost every day, you know. Yeah. And to go from, we can't hardly figure out we're going to eat. Yeah. That's, a, that's a stark contrast. Yeah. You know, and um, so we came and obeyed the Lord. He's been so faithful. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, for now, for in July... We've been there for 26 years, and we're working towards have have 3,800 women and children. Now. Yeah. Well, let's let's take a break real quick, right. and then we're gonna come back and talk about what the care center is okay. and what it does and what it has been doing. Um, so between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is our Jackson. We're back with our Jackson home this week. We are joined by Nathan Young. He is the executive director of the Care Center, the the big white house on the top of the hill across from Grubbs and the lift. 
uh, Nathan, you were telling us about moving into a house that had uh, no windows and, and terrible smelling carpet and uh, lots of issues. I don't think it's like that anymore, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would survive it if it was. No, it's much different. Uh, we have great windows. Uh, as a matter of fact, oddly enough, um, that winter, um, a doctor here in town found out that we didn't have windows and said, I want to come and see the place. And so, okay, come on. I I had, by faith, gone out and got six quotes on windows because I thought the Lord told me, you're going to have new windows. Mm-hmm. So I was really hoping that was true, too, by the way. <laughs> and so I went out and got quotes. So I went to six companies. Three companies looked at me like I was an idiot because I went in, and this is my speech, I don't know when I'm going to have the money. I just believe the Lord told me we're going to have new windows. Would you like to quote on them? Three people thought I was an idiot. Yeah. The other ones might have thought I was an idiot, but they gave me a quote. Yeah. Right? Still, sure. right, who's, if it's you or Jesus paying for it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Care. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they took a chance, and uh, this doctor came by, and we wandered the facility, and he looked around, and he kind of grinned at me and said, well, what do you think you need the most? Of course, it's winter by now, you know? And uh, I said, Windows. He said, put them in. I said, now, wait a second now. That's $11,500. Okay. And we had gotten a really good deal, but that was 26 it's years ago. Still a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, put them in. And he wrote me a down payment. And he's, then after they were all put in, he paid for the rest of it. And that's how we got windows. Another mm-hmm. church in town invited me to speak, and we shared with them what we were going through and what our dreams were. And that church... Uh, I remember to this day, somebody had donated a bunch of money to that church. And they were a church that tithes. And uh, so the pastor at that time stood up and said, you all have heard this story. And I think we ought to take a vote right now. And we'd like to give $25,000. And the church cheered. I remember to this day. Uh, I was sitting on the front you crying obviously because wow you know I mean we ate tomatoes for three days because that's all we had for food Mm -hmm. I I joked that uh, and I didn't really realize what kind of gift that was in the south you know tomatoes are just tomatoes up north yeah down here that's like good stuff Uh (laughs) I was glad I like tomatoes but a farmer came by and said I heard you were here and I wanted to bring you tomatoes and we lived off them three days well anyway so this church they gave us 25 and so we went through and had it rewired. We had knob and tube wiring at that time still in the house. Exposed wires on little glass knobs. Okay. That was horrible fire damage. <laughs> we had chill chasers, which are absolutely against the law. And we, in there for heat. That's all. That's how the house came. Hmm. And so uh, people came by and they would start working. And we hired some of it done. And a, an old plumber in town knew how to handle clay and... and um, hardcore old plumbing and he brought a crew in and he replumbed the entire house for free Hmm. his daughter had struggled with drugs and alcohol for Hmm. years and he said i'm gonna pay it back for the people that helped her Hmm. and uh so miracles started to happen like that that started putting the house back together we had a 14 inch hole in the wall this is triple brick you know this is an old house and so there was a 14-inch hole. Maybe a cannon, cannonball went through it or something back in the day. <laughs> I don't know what went through it, but but uh, that got repaired, you know. I mean, that leaks a lot of air by itself, mm-hmm. of course, but 
so little by little, it started getting put back together. The wear and tear is terrible, so we're always putting it back together. Of mm-hmm. course, we take between 150 and 200 women and children a year. Yeah. So and so today, you now you guys stay in the upstairs, right? Yeah, the office and and uh, our living quarters are upstairs. But in the bottom, you've got and I've walked through before. Yeah. There are just rooms full of bunks. Right. We have 30 beds. And uh, then if we need to, we've actually at times been so full that we'll have to put mattresses on the social room floor. It turns into like a big mosh pit, you know, for people. <laughs> uh, the kids love it because it's like camping out in the living room. But um, yeah, there's times we have over 40 women and children in the house. Oftentimes it's okay. You get a mama and three little ones, you push two beds together, you have a king-size bed, they all snuggle and they're just happy yeah. as they could be, you know. So most of the time, the 30 beds do just fine, and, mm-hmm. and we can get that many people in there. But if they're all adults, it's a whole different world. Oh, yeah. So let's talk. tell me about the kind of uh, women and children that come. And maybe not. Yeah. Maybe what kind is not the appropriate phrase, but like, what situations are they in? Yeah. Um, well, it's a, it's a mixed group. Um, it's one of the things that makes it more difficult to minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you have a commonality... Uh, like for instance, we work with a lot of drug and alcohol rehabs. You know, everybody that comes has drug and alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. For us, we work with drugs and alcohol, uh, including like I'm a, I'm a real fan of drug recovery courts. We take a lot of people from those, from multiple counties. As a matter of fact, we do rape and abuse, both of women and children. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with child protective services, uh, taking in kids there. Uh, drugs and alcohol not just from rehabs but also other people we detoxed for a long time but then as more psychotropic drugs came out I don't know about 15 years ago we quit doing that Um, we do federally relocated witnesses human trafficking all kinds of different Mm -hmm. ways that we get a person in and sometimes they're just homeless Uh, sometimes they're too pregnant to go get a job and so they'll have their babies while they're there and start over Mm. The oldest one we ever had was 87. Mm. An 87-year-old lady. How would you like being homeless there? That would be terrible. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we took her in and helped her get her house back together so she could live in it. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a myriad of types of people that come in. And their length of stay is anywhere from a couple of days, if that's what the need is, all the way to a year and a half. And so we've had multiple ones have to stay that mm-hmm. long to get over it. Um some of them are the ones you see in the news uh, or on the news on the television uh, from neighboring towns that have they've captured now the people who have held them captive or mm-hmm. abused them um, the most recent ones the people are now being charged with first degree murder mm-hmm. uh, attempted first degree murder and so um, you know, some of these are very, very serious, and the trauma to these people is incredible. Yeah. And, you know, we've been there long enough to have kids who have been badly abused, I'll say it that way, mm-hmm. and get them back as adults mm-hmm. because the trauma of all that, um, it's very difficult to treat children. Yeah. You know? uh, the trauma of all that caught up with them as adults, and now their lives are just terrible as adults. So we'll get them back. When you're there a long enough time, you're there for generations. Yeah, and that generational stuff is hard to break. Yeah, so it's just an entire different group. 
so so with that many different people, like what is the process like for someone coming through the care center? Well, it's different. Just to get in the door, you're going to fill out an application mm-hmm. and read all the rules. Um, I'm pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to have an interview with me. So you've seen enough to know what yeah. you can and cannot yield on, right? We probably do twice as many, 50% of the people we interview probably is who we keep. Mm-hmm. So I've probably done 8,000 interviews, I don't know, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um they have to tell us why they're why they're homeless or in need of a home. Some of them aren't really homeless, you know. Some of them are court ordered. They need to go someplace for a six month stint or something like that, and under high structure. Um, the, some of them uh, have kind of messed up their structure with the court systems, and so they're going to be monitored for a short period of time. Then they have to get a job, things like that. But I'm going to find out why, why they want to come in the door. If they're homeless by choice and they don't want to change, they're not going to get in the door. Yeah. That's a lifestyle choice. As opposed to a situation imposed upon you. Yeah. We can't take every situation. Yeah. Uh, So, for instance, for years and years we tried taking people with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I can't keep them on their meds. Mm -hmm. So unless they're on the shot, we don't take them. Because you have... You know, possibly 28 other people besides your family. Well, and children. Yeah. You know, we've had some, back when we tried it, we had some people try to abuse children and yeah. stuff. We always would catch them before it happened, but, uh, so we had to make a rule. We're not set up for highly contagious diseases like mm-hmm. HIV and AIDS, things like that. And we deal with hep C, some things, you know, those kind of, that level is okay. We can handle that. Yeah. But you're doing more than just giving them a place to stay, right? Oh, yeah. Where they get, uh, they of course, they live there for free mm-hmm. the entire time, whether it's a year and a half or two days. And all their toiletries, all their food that, that we can supply, that's all given to mm-hmm. them. That's the first thing. The basic needs are all met. Uh, then there's times where they might need counseling. There's times where they might need uh, just working through ideas. Uh, you know, all of us bring baggage. I just shared some of my baggage, right? Absolutely. And all of us have baggage. Yeah. And some of theirs has change their life in such a way they live in cycles of behavior Mm -hmm. try to help them think through that break it Uh, some of them have to be just totally reset up in life so some of them come they'll simply go get a job we make them put in five applications a day if they on that track and they'll get that job save money some are allowed to buy cars some won't be allowed depending on why they're there Mm -hmm. and how hard they've worked at it some are there to settle in and deal with that baggage that has changed their life mm-hmm. okay it creates so much pain some of them are there to heal physically so like we just took take uh, took in a woman not too long ago that part of her time was spent in the hospital with us part of it was spent back and forth because of all that she went through mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't ask her to do anything except for heal mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. through the trauma of when the police found her and what she was she was kidnapped for many many days and mm-hmm. and um so it's we try the reason why I do an interview is not just to see whether they belong there, mm-hmm. but to see what their real needs are. Mm-hmm. We we understand everybody's an individual and everybody has real needs. And I'm looking for the real needs. I know we have to deal with the symptoms, but I like root problems. If you yeah. fix root problems, okay. A lot of the symptoms disappear. Yeah. Right? So I'm looking for that. Interesting. Um 
what is the what does an outcome look like there? If you were asking me what I would really like for all of them, yeah, what would you is, what, what would you really like for all? of them? Yeah, I would like them to come to know Jesus personally by mm-hmm. faith. Uh, I think that permanent change starts in the heart, mm-hmm. and uh, the permanent change that I know that works is the relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what changed me. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, at the very least, somebody might come there, get a job, be, go from being an unproductive citizen to being a productive citizen. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Uh, that's changed everything around their life. They, they're not necessarily on welfare anymore. They're not any of that stuff. They're now out producing, taking in a paycheck, paying their own rent, uh, taking care of their children, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, some of them I like to see their marriages restored because mm-hmm. some of them come and they're separated from their marriages because of their troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them it's as simple as regain your health, both physical and mental. Mm-hmm. Trauma does terrible things to people's minds and hearts, you know. Uh, I'd like to see people rebuild trust. Most of the people, I would say probably 90% of the people have what would be called PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're traumas have been either been ongoing or have been uh, difficult enough when we get them and I'd like to see them uh, balance back out again get a grasp of reality uh, start believing in themselves um, believe in the work that God can do in their lives mm-hmm. I talk about killing the old person and giving birth to a new one mm-hmm. because the old one will still make the same decisions over and over again yeah. and that hasn't been helpful you know uh, kids reunited with their parents. Um, I have a lot of dreams for a lot of people, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Every person is different, why they came, what they're trying to accomplish when they get there. Um, success isn't necessarily what I think would be the ultimate success for them. Yeah. Success is moving them from where they are now to better than what they were before yeah. they leave and go out the door. Sometimes we simply plant seeds. Not everybody makes it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, years and years ago when I decided to take meth and crack addicts, and that's, I don't know, a long, long time ago, Yeah, I knew that there was going to be loss in that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, only 5% of the people made it anyways. And so my goal was 50%. I'm kind of stupid. So my goal was 50%. I didn't really think I'd get it, but... Uh, I figured, okay, even if we get 25% of people make it instead of five, it's a, it's a fabulous. Huge, huge improvement, yeah. But that also mandates that we will put the effort into the other 75% who don't make it. So our goal with them is to plant seeds that maybe when they wake up or it's time to change down the road, mm-hmm. those seeds are still there and they have something to begin change with. Yeah. And so sometimes that's all the goal is, is to get get things into them because we know they're not going to make it while they're with us. Mm-hmm. And so we're not trying to save them all. I, I would love it. Yeah. But that's not real. Mm-hmm. And we have to deal with reality when we deal with damaged people. Yeah. Um, so my goal is to plant seeds in as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Tell them about Jesus. We share the gospel with all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, one, that's a big deal for us. We have Bible studies there. And, yeah. And, um, and help them understand that... God will fight for them if they want to get in there and let him, you know, mm-hmm. and that they're helpless uh, to do it on their own. And then try to 
put them out. Uh, when they leave the building, they leave better than they came. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's two new components that you've recently added to the to the care center. Yeah. And so, why don't you tell us about those? Yeah. Well, a lot of times when people are there working on themselves, and this might be a six-month stint where somebody comes, they're reading books, they're writing papers, they're vomiting out the stuff that's inside of them. You know, all that stuff we keep cramming down inside our hearts is a toxin to the to our character. And, and uh, you can imagine trying to do that with 35 or 40 people hanging around the house all over the place. And so uh, this year we've been able to open up a place called Peace Place. Mm-hmm. And it's a giant room with couches and chairs and it's quiet. And, and uh, so there are times when people can go up there. We also have some art therapy classes that are going on there's another room right next to it so we're doing some things like that that room is also this is a big room Uh, so we're getting ready to open up uh, along with Union University a computer lab okay and their management people are going to be training our ladies on how to dress and do resumes and uh, learn office the office suite products so that Mm -hmm. they can be really can go out into the workplace nowadays and compete uh, we have another guy, he's a, he's a wounded vet, he's got two purple hearts. He's one of those guys where he got wounded once, got healed back up, said, I'm going back in, yeah. and he came back, you know, wounded again, they said, that's enough for you, <laughs> you're going home. <clears throat> so he and his wife are teaching GED classes, and, you know, there's a lot of dreams going on. We have some, uh, they're not quite, they're more like, uh, I call them CR, Celebrate Recovery or meetings like that that are happening in that same room at off times as well. So that's that's been a real addition yeah. just to have some peace and quiet and a place to get away. Yeah. You know? And then um, this year we've been able to open up a set of apartments. So we now have eight one-bedroom apartments. They've been totally remodeled from the studs, the floor joists up. Uh, I'm drywall everything. Mm-hmm. And so they're really nice. We've been able to open that up and the ladies get to rent them for $300 a month plus utilities. So it's the next stepping stone for... Yeah. For some people that have done well at the care center or at other like we have one girl that did really well at the dream center and she's mm-hmm. renting one of our apartments great uh, so that's been another addition this year it's, mm-hmm. it's keeping us pretty busy it's been a busy uh, fall and, and winter yeah well nathan if people want to know more about care center and and how to keep up with it what's the best way to do that probably first get on our website carecenterjackson.org mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that would be the first way to start, maybe, and they'll, you'll get some pictures and things like that. And uh, one of our dear friends that I'm sitting here talking to helped put that together. Yeah. I'll give you a little advertisement on uh, that. Don't need to do that. Uh, but uh, he did a great job. Uh, his wife, Renee, is building us a Facebook page, mm-hmm. and that's going to open up pretty soon. You can also email me at nsdj uh, 351 at bellsouth.net mm-hmm. or you can call the care center mm-hmm. 731-427-2273 and you're always looking for donations of, of yes of, yeah. <laughs> of yes perfect answer perfect answer but specifically things like toiletries and I'm sure you go through a lot of laundry detergent and things like that oh yeah we go through just imagine cleaning your house twice a day uh, at times when we're really busy 300 loads of laundry a month because remember, not only the people, they have very little clothes, so they have to keep going through. Yeah. But on top of that, sheets, uh, pillowcases, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, every time you swap beds, you're going through the entire thing all over again. 
and plus they have to do their own while they're you know at least once a week while they're living there mm-hmm. so it's incredible the it's amount of laundry yeah. we go through uh, cleaning supplies it takes money to run a place like that you know yeah. I wish I wish ministry didn't take money but it does yeah That's the bottom line of it and we're, we try to be very efficient with our monies and uh, uh, but those are needed and there are times of the year like this is one of those times of the year where it's very difficult mm-hmm. um, uh, good giving times are at the end of the year of course people are doing taxes or thinking about their deductions and all yeah. that kind of stuff but we actually are in operation all year round. And oh, so, how about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there seems to be a need all year round. And uh, and so things like that are necessary. Mm-hmm. And of course, the way we say it is, uh, you know, try to pray, think about where your heart's at, mm-hmm. and then you have time, treasure, and talent. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, we'll take any or all <laughs> of that, you know. <laughs> so I'll just leave it with that. Yeah. You know? Well, Nathan, uh, thank you so much for um, helping to make Jackson a better place and choosing well, to call it home. To God be the glory. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we can't do this unless He does it in us. And mm-hmm. So uh, we tell, even tell the girls that we don't know how to love you if He doesn't give us love for you. It, it all it all winds up back on Him. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm happy to blame Him or give Him credit however yeah. you want for all the things that get done at the care center. You know. Um, it's it's his place, and uh, he's been very faithful to sustain it and keep it going. And so he gets all the credit and all the glory. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at the Co. To find out more about the Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and to read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit ourjacksonhome.com. Thank you.